This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is the weekend and today we go back and look at the week that was on Double Tap as the express rolls into town. Bark You're listening to Double Tap Express. Your weekly roundup of what's happening on Double Tap this week. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. I get it, I'll be honest, Sean Priest. I feel he just said what I just said. I, I'm just putting that out there. I mean, sorry, uh, Rob, but you know, I think he just repeated kind of what I just said. What well, that is kind of his job. I mean, and mm. he does a fantastic job, by the way. He sounds gorgeous. How are you, Stephen Scott? <sighs> Do you know I'm good? But we have got no time to chat today. We are oh. so full. We of are great bursting. content this week. Mm-hmm going to be hearing from the wonderful listener Gordon Anthony on the subject of his new audio sunglasses which uh, we heard about this week I also bought a pair of these yes you did <laughs> and I'm really enjoying them I'm really enjoying them um, I will say out and about yeah it's not as loud as I'd like but then I don't think it ever will be to be perfectly honest but no. the sound quality wasn't bad actually it wasn't too bad and certainly for using voiceover on a busy train it was actually okay. So, yeah, more on that to come in a couple of weeks' time. I'll t- give you a more of an update on that. Also coming up, we hear from uh, Shub Mittle from the company Celeste, a Canadian company that have developed, finally, it would appear, uh, glasses, smart glasses with a camera, with speakers, with audio, and wirelessly able to connect to your smartphone. So, the future of a essentially wearing a camera like a, a, for Ira or for Be My Eyes is, well, I say here. It'll be here in the fall. Nearly <laughs> it's coming <here>. soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming soon-ish, but, you know, to a store near you. Uh, so we'll hear more about that from Shub. And uh, also, listener Lena, lovely listener Lena, has been in touch with her app review this week, uh, which is becoming a bit of a regular thing, and I'm loving it. Uh, Lena got in touch to share her Merlin Bird ID app uh, and her review of that, which allows you to identify bird calls and also allow you to hear bird calls from other parts of the world, which is uh, pretty cool. So all that coming up. Uh, but first, it's the Double Tap News. Double Tap News with Grace Caulfield. Thanks, you guys. A tool that helps people learn how to use Apple's voiceover screen reader is back on the iPhone. VO Starter is available now on the iOS App Store. It offers in-depth training on the built-in screen reader to users new and old, providing a valuable resource for blind and partially sighted people. Michael Joyce created the app and explained to DoubleTap what made him decide to bring it back, and if similar apps are in the pipeline for other Apple products. I made originally VO Starter to be the first voiceover training app in the App Store back in 2012, and it's been a huge hit and success for folks ever since it was created. I had to take it out of the store so that we can update it and move it to a new developer account. It took a little longer than expected, but it is back. I wanted to bring it back so that everybody could continue to use VO Starter and, and learn to use the iPhone, I feel like there's a big need for that for people losing their vision or people at training centers and things like that. So the app is back in here to stay. And I do plan on building other versions of the app for Mac and even in, uh, you know, a TalkBack starter or TB starter or something for Android at some point to improve on those experiences as well. Artificial intelligence is becoming part of our everyday lives, and an Australian startup wants to use it to help blind people better understand the world around them. ARIA Research are developing glasses using tiny cameras and speakers embedded in the frames to convert images into sounds. This allows the wearer to hear the world around them through the sounds generated by the glasses. While there have been many attempts to create bionic eyes for blind people, which require surgical implants and often long recovery times, this latest invention requires no surgery at all except for a few minutes of training. The product has garnered attention both domestically in Australia and internationally, and has been fast-tracked for further development and implementation in the United States. Developing story. Now, while artificial intelligence continues to grow, one of the leading companies developing it seems to be in trouble financially. OpenAI's chatbot, ChatGPT, is reportedly nearing bankruptcy. 
Despite making significant progress in the AI field, the chatbot has faced challenges, including declining performance. The company itself has experienced a $540 million loss since ChatGPT's introduction. Its expenses are high, with daily costs of around $700,000 to run ChatGPT. These expenses are primarily for procuring GPUs from companies like NVIDIA. Microsoft and recent investors have been covering these costs, but concerns have arisen about how long they will support a venture that isn't profitable. OpenAI has also seen a 12% decline in its user base in a month, equating to a loss of about 200,000 users. OpenAI says it aims to earn $200 million in revenue in 2023 and $1 billion in 2024, which is ambitious given their current financial state. The global GPU shortage exacerbated by U.S.-China tensions further complicates matters. Several U.S. tech giants are considering leaving the United Kingdom due to a number of strict regulations being proposed by the government there. New rules would require tech firms to get approval from the country's home office for new security features before worldwide release, which has incensed Apple to the point of threatening to remove FaceTime and iMessage from the UK if they go through. Additionally, the Competition and Markets Authority recently chose to block Microsoft's acquisition of the video game giant Activision, causing Microsoft to react furiously. WhatsApp and Signal have also threatened to quit the UK market over strict rules around policing social media content. And many Silicon Valley tech companies are also pushing back against a proposed safety bill in the United Kingdom, arguing the new law would imperil the privacy of their users. These threats could have significant implications for the UK's tech industry and economy. Charlotte Henry is a journalist and the host of the Edition podcast and newsletter on Substack. She has been following the progress of the online safety bill, and she told Double Tap that the issues lie in the detail itself. The problem part of this is there's been a lot of not very specific language being discussed during all of this. It, you know, they're still fighting for a lot of definitions as this is progressing. Conservative MPs are really keen that there was some level of personal culpability and liability included in this legislation. And that is similar in Ireland. There was a similar piece of legislation in Ireland, as I understand it, that introduced this as well. So that was quite an important thing that got back into the bill. A new app developed by researchers at New York University could help blind and partially sighted people navigate subway stations. Commute Booster has been developed by students at NYU Tandon and automatically figures out what signs a traveler will encounter along the way to a specific subway platform. Then, it uses a smartphone's camera to recognize and interpret signs posted inside transit hubs, ignoring irrelevant ones and prompting users to follow the signs relevant to their commute. The app has been tested on three New York City stations, and testers say the results are promising, with a success rate of 97% in reading station signs so far. The researchers hope that the app will help visually impaired people navigate the subway system with greater ease and independence. The app is not yet available for download, but the researchers plan to make it available soon. And finally, if you're using Mastodon, did you know there's now an option to read your toots from your wrist? Stomp offers a full Mastodon experience for Apple Watch users, allowing you to view your timeline, trending topics, lists, and notifications about new followers or people favoriting your post. Mastodon is an open-sourced social media platform that is similar to Twitter, but with a focus on decentralization and user privacy. Stomp is a paid-for app, with the price being what you choose it to be, and they promise to only ask for payment once. It's now available on the App Store, and here at Double Tap, we'd like you to tell us what you think about it. That's the Double Tap News this week. I'm Grace Scofield. Thanks, Grace. Honestly, so much news, Sean. Uh, we <laughs> feels like there's just so much going on. I know. In can't the world put it all in. Time. Yeah, I know. Uh, look, let's move on because I want to bring in Robert Felgar, who we spoke to this week on Double Tap. Uh, he is from a company called Raz Mobility, a company which is now selling the Smart Vision Three smartphone from Capsis, and he told me all about the product this week. The concept behind the Smart Vision 3 is to provide someone who is blind or low vision with access to a full-fledged Android smartphone. 
except that in addition to a touchscreen, which is located in the top two-thirds of the device, and it's a full-fledged touchscreen, it also has in the bottom third of the device, or maybe a little bit more, maybe it's the bottom 40%, a keypad that allows the user to control all elements of TalkBack, uh, and of course, it's got a traditional T9 keypad through that keypad. So if the user has difficulty with gestures on the touchscreen, they can use their touch and uh, use that keypad, or they can go back and forth. So if they're, if they're comfortable doing something on a touchscreen, that's fine. They can use a gesture for that particular action. But if they have another action that they they are more comfortable using uh, the keypad for, they can use the physical keypad. So you can go back and forth, actually, and select whichever method you're interested in. So who is this actually designed for? Is this for someone who is fairly up-to-date with technology, who just wants that tactile experience with a keyboard, or is it for someone who is just starting out with a smartphone? So I would say it's for both. We have... Uh, some users, for example, we have a trainer that works for us who obviously knows how to use both iOS and Android smartphones, but he loves Capsis as well. He loves the Smart Vision 3 as well, because as I said, there's really no limitations as to what you can do. So it's not like, oh, I'm using the Smart Vision 3, I can't use Facebook, or I can't use Twitter, or I can't shop on Amazon. No, you can do all of that with the Smart Vision 3. Um, it's just that you've got the advantage of the keep of, of the physical keypad, but it does tend to be particularly attractive to people who are learning, people who are blind, newly blind, who are learning how to use a smartphone and aren't particularly comfortable with using gestures. At a minimum, the physical keypad speeds up the pace at which someone learns how to use that phone because it is easier to learn to navigate with a keypad than uh, than the gesture. So it really is for both. And it does have a range of additional functions to it. So specific functions that have been built into this device to make it not only easier to use, but also to make it more capable for blind users, right? Right, right. So it's not... It, it, it's not uh, obviously as advanced in some respects in terms of specs, right, as an iPhone or the latest Google Pixel, but it is very capable and it has some features that are quite useful. For example, it has NFC and the device comes with five NFC tags and an app that allows you to use those NFC tags to identify objects or do other actions. So that's an example of an additional feature that is sort of built in and comes with a phone that you will not get with with another smartphone. Another capability is wireless charging. Now, of course, wireless charging is available on premium smartphones, but the phone also comes with a wireless charger that is designed specifically uh, for the blind user. So you might understand that uh, with many uh, wireless chargers, you have to place the device exactly right in order for it to charge, right? If you put it off to the side a little bit, it won't charge. So you got to place it right. With this wireless charger, you're kind of forced, there are lips on either side, and you're forced to put the phone exactly in the right location so you can never get it wrong. So things like that are unique to the device, uh, and were are sort of add-ons that are not available or additional features and capabilities that are not available in a typical smartphone. Uh, it also comes with a number of pre-installed applications. Now, of course, you could download those applications if they weren't pre-installed, but it does add convenience, especially for a new user. So let's say currency identifier uh, light detector, and so forth. Those types of apps are already pre-selected for the user and pre-installed on on the device. And there are a couple of other features uh, regarding, and uh, I'm thinking here about external hardware that you can uh, connect to this, uh, which is something we're also very keen to learn about these days within our smartphones. I mean, hearing aid compatibility is compatible for people who have hearing aids, right? 
yes, it is compatible for, uh, for people with hearing aids. Now, that uh, hearing aid compa- compatibility is a little bit tricky. It also depends to a large degree on the hearing aids themselves. So you got to make sure you've got the right hearing aids. But as long as the hearing aids are generally compatible with uh, Android, you know, the latest Android devices, it'll be compatible with the Smart Vision 3. And it's also Braille display compatible as well. And you can hook up an external keyboard via Bluetooth as well. Exactly. So just like you could do that with the latest Google Pixel, you can do that with the Smart Vision 3. There's really nothing that you can't do with the Smart Vision 3 that you can do with a normal premium device. Like in ter- in e- even in terms of navigating the phone and using the physical keypad, the physical keypad is designed in such a way that every action that can be done with a gesture is mapped to that physical keypad and you can do it with that physical keypad. So if you think to yourself, okay, there's a gesture to go home, taking a simple thing, right? There's a gesture to go home. Well, there's also a key that you press that will take you home. Uh, Or there's a gesture to go back or there's a gesture to get access to the quick settings or the notification shade. All those types of gestures are mapped to the physical keypad and allow you to control and and, uh, execute those functions with that physical keypad. And there's a dedicated button as well for Google Assistant, but also for dictating uh, into text fields. Yes, that's actually really, really useful uh, and a a really great feature. So first of all, in terms of the Google Assistant, you don't have to say, okay, Google, or, or hey, Google. You don't have to say those words. Uh, you could just press that button and the Google Assistant is activated, which is great if it's if it's in a louder environment and maybe this, the phone can't hear you. So it's just easier. Uh, but on top of that, what I really like it for is, as you mentioned, for entering text, let's say in a, uh, in a messaging app. It could be actually any text field, but let's say it's most commonly used in a messaging app. Instead of finding that microphone button on your, we're talking about an Android phone here, instead of kind of locating it through Explore by Touch on your virtual keypad, uh, all you do when you get to that text field is press that dedicated button and you start talking. And it'll record what you say. It'll end up in that text field and you press send and that's it. So it's incredibly, it's it's actually a lot easier to uh, fill out text fields using this device than a standard device. The other thing that I find that's easier when we're talking about text field is um, is editing. So editing with the buttons is definitely easier in my view than editing uh, using uh, talk back uh, with the virtual keypad. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because this device comes along and the first question I'm asking myself is, okay, so can it do this? Can it do that? Can it do the next thing? And of course, the answer is yes, it can do all of those things because as you're saying, this is basically an Android smartphone with a keyboard connected onto it. I think back to the days when I had my HP and I had my Pam Pilot and I had my BlackBerry and all of them had QWERTY keyboards. And they were pretty decent. Uh, BlackBerry especially was known for its QWERTY keyboard. Why did you choose, or why did Capsis choose, to go down the route of this T9-type keyboard rather than QWERTY? Well, that could actually be because of the intended audience. So we started off by talking about who it's from. And I mentioned that many of the users tend to be a little older and they're trying to reduce the time it takes them to learn how to use the phone and they're more comfortable with touch. So the keypad, the physical keypad on the Smart Vision 3 is quite large. It's It's got quite large buttons and there's good separation between them and some of them have some tactile features to them. And I think it's a lot easier for many people who are starting out with a smartphone um, or who had difficulty with their iPhone or Android device because of the gestures, I think it's much easier to navigate with those bigger buttons. I can't imagine someone who is blind sort of, well, I'm sure people can, but many can't 
handle those, you know, I don't know how many buttons were on that old BlackBerry. I, I used one myself, but it was a long time ago. It's a lot of buttons and they're very small. Uh, so even if it was accessible, which at the time it wasn't, I would imagine that because those buttons were so small that uh, it would be frustrating for someone who is blind. Now, I want to bring in a, a, an email which we got from one of our listeners, Darren, who said one of the problems he's had with Caps' smartphones in the past is when it comes to updates. Now, in particular, he references Facebook. He says Capsis and Facebook do not work together when Facebook do their updates, meaning people who have Capsis smartphones cannot use Facebook properly. Now, that's one example of one app where updates aren't coming through. Uh, is that an issue with these devices in the sense of the software, or is it is it to do with Facebook? What, what's the, what would be the reason why an update wouldn't come through in the same way that it would for other Android smartphones? So I imagine that he probably used the old version of the phone, which came out years ago, uh, the Smart Vision 2. Uh, and I don't have much experience with the Smart Vision 2. I will say that with the Smart Vision 3, the user has full access to the Google Play Store and all, all uh, apps should be updated through that Google through the Google Play Store and therefore they should be able to be updated. Furthermore, as I mentioned, and I'm not sure about the Smart Vision 2, but with respect to the Smart Vision 3, it went through a t testing process and it is Google certified. So it has that sort of stamp of approval that the Google Play Store works correctly and everything, every app is updatable through through the Play Store. So I I haven't heard of any issues with the Smart Vision 3. So to just be very clear, because the, the reason being because the app is now coming through the Google Play Store, so you're now no longer reliant on a, a sort of particular update coming through for the Capsis device. It's the same update everyone gets. Right. You're getting the exact same update that uh, a user who has a Samsung or a Pixel gets. At the same time that they have the update available, the user of the Smart Vision 3 will have access to it because it's the same Play Store, obviously. You're accessing the exact same thing. The updates are coming from the same place. So there shouldn't be any difference in experience at all with respect to uh, a Smart Vision 3 and any other Android phone. Okay, so let's talk about the price then. Now, you mentioned there are two versions of this. You're a distributor in the U.S. Uh, tell us about the pricing there. Well, there's one version we call it, uh, the basic version, which is about $530 US. Uh, that version comes exclusively with the phone and the NFC tags, uh, five NFC tags. Uh, and it has, in terms of the phone itself, it's the exact same phone that's available in the premium version. It's simply that the the additional accessories are minimal. You've just got the NFC tags. Uh, if you buy the premium version, which is $599, you have, as I mentioned, the same phone. There's no difference, except that it comes with that wireless uh, charger. So it's custom built for the Smart Vision 3. You've got the protective case. You have a lanyard and you've got uh, screen protector. So those are the main differences. So you have those five accessories that you're getting for the extra, I think it's actually 539 for the basic. So you've got the, the, the extra uh, accessories for uh, $60 essentially. And I see you're distributing in the US. What about Canada? Yes, the phone is also, we are distributing in Canada. The phone is available in Canada as well and it can be purchased from our website uh, by Canadians. And um, there's also a distributor that's just started in Canada, so we'll see. But it, it, most people are getting it from our website at this point in time, and then we just ship it across. It's shipped from the U.S. into, into Canada. Thanks to Robert Felgar there from Capsis. That sounds really interesting. But now we're going to quickly move on to lovely listener Lena and another app review for those of us that want to be able to accessibly identify birdsong. Hello, Double Tappers. This is Lena. I have an app that I really enjoy using that I'd like to share with you today. It's called Merlin Bird ID. It's put out by the Cornell University Ornithology Lab, and they have a long history of making 
birding accessible to blind people. The app is free. It's available for iOS and Android, and it's a pretty easy to use app. After we install it, we have to create an account, which all we need for that is our email. Cornell does send emails about new information in the app, but the subscribe button is easy to find and one click will unsubscribe us from the email. Then after we get our account, we have to give it some location permissions. We can use the app without doing that, but we'll get much more relevant information if we let it use our location. And I like to have it use the location where I am because I travel quite a bit and birds fascinate me, but I don't recognize a lot of them by their songs. After we get our map, then we can start using the app. There are maps for most places in the world. Those of you in England and Scotland will want to get the map that says Europe, Britain, and Ireland, and associated islands. Those in Canada may want to get Eastern Canada or Western Canada or all of Canada. People in the US, Mexico, and Colombia have similar decisions. The Atlantic Ocean just has one map for all the birds in the Atlantic Ocean. We can have as many maps as we want. We are limited only by the amount of storage on our phones. So. I have the San Diego map open right now. After we get our map, the screen we have will have a tab bar at the bottom with four tabs, which are from left to right, ID, Explore, Life Lift, and Settings. Now the third tab, I don't know anything about it except that we have to have a Cornell labs account and I haven't explored that at all. When we have ID selected, then we have several choices at the top of our screen. Sound ID is the one I use the most. When we tap on sound ID, it starts recording and when we double tap again, it stops recording. After we stop recording, the app will tell us what it thinks the bird is and we can tap on the bird to hear the recordings of its song and match it to what we heard. Occasionally there will be several birds with similar sounds. The other choices we have are to take a picture. The picture doesn't have to be that good. I've tested that a few times too. And then step-by-step, step, which guides the user through several questions. Maybe they couldn't capture a sound or a picture, but they can describe some things about the bird. So the app will guide them through that and then make suggestions. I sometimes like to tap on explore and just learn about some different birds. Or if I'm going somewhere new, I like to get the map for that region and learn something about the birds. In order to show you what happens when we choose a bird to learn about? I thought I'd choose the crow because we did talk about crows on the August 8th show. And if nothing else, this app will prove that Stephen doesn't sound like a crow. I think he's smarter than a crow too. So I have used the search feature to find the American crow. Selected, ID info, button, one of three. Now, our screen is divided into thirds, essentially. The top third has the name of the bird, then swiping from left to right, ID info, sound, and maps. The middle third, voiceover says direct touch area. Android doesn't say anything. Usually there's a picture there. At the bottom of the screen, we have information about the bird. And all we have to do to have it read is put our finger on that section of the screen. I'm going to put my finger down right now. This is the common crow over much of the U.S. and Canada. Most easily identified by voice. A familiar caw, often repeated. 
common in any open habitats, including fields, open woodlands, marshes, and cities, thriving around humans, very social, usually seen in flocks, sometimes numbering in the hundreds or even thousands, aggressive, sometimes seen chasing away hawks and owls, separated from ravens by smaller size, smaller bill, shorter tail, and shorter, broader wings, compare with fish crow, which is extremely similar in appearance, and best separated by voice, includes the species formerly known as northwestern crow. Now I'm going to go back to the top left corner and find the sound button. Selected. ID and sounds. Button. Two of three. Selected. Sounds. Crows have a lot of different calls and we can hear all the ones that have been recorded. Calls. I'm going to just choose one. Calls. 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 Recorded by Brian Sullivan. Location. Calif. Groove. Rows 1 to 9 of 15. This one Central was screen. recorded in California. Identified. And I hear this sound a lot when I am out walking. So I hope that you will try the app and have fun learning about the birds in your area or where you are visiting. Thank you, Lena. I appreciate that. And uh, more app demos to come from Lena in the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much to uh, you for sending those in. And if you'd like to send yours, then please do. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. And you can also call us and leave a voicemail at any time. Uh, it doesn't have to be a produced review. You can just tell us about something you've bought, something you're using, whatever it might be. Uh, 1-877-803-4567. Uh, we're going to be talking about audio sunglasses and audio sunglasses with a camera next on Double Tap Express. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now. On Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air and on Mastodon at Double Tap. Now, this week on the show, we talked to Shub Mittal from the company Celeste to learn all about their new glasses, which contain a camera, speakers, and microphones. And uh, all of that, by the way, can be wirelessly connected to a smartphone. So does that mean, for example, we can do IRA calls and be my eyes calls and all of that? Yes, well, I, I found so. out. Yeah, no, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, well, we found out this week from Shub. We're making glasses that will help people's vision loss get back their independence. And so we have a camera in the middle. We have a mic and speaker and we'll let you read text, detect objects, uh, describe your environment, detect faces. Uh, we added a feature recently to tell you the make and model of a car to help people get into Uber. So it's all kinds of things to let people do tasks by themselves. Wow. Are these a camera that are connected to a companion app or is there, like the Google Glasses, is there some sort of processing done on the device itself, on the glasses themselves? Yeah, so we're glasses and we, there's a companion app on the phone. And um, we route basically everything through the phone. And so it's not on, um, it's a bit different than Google Glass in that sense. Um, but we do everything wirelessly. So there's no cables. It's just through Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. And, and these look like regular glasses, do they? Yeah, that, that's really the goal of what we try to do is make glasses that look like normal glasses. And so if you're just walking down the street and you see someone wearing, like you wouldn't be able to tell that they're wearing smart glasses. You really have to like sit down with someone and look at them for a while and you can tell like, oh, okay, there's a camera in them. How big are these? I mean, so I'm thinking, I mean, I walk around often with my Bose frames. So they're fairly average size glasses, sunglasses, but the the legs. Arms. It's legs. It's anyway. definitely arms. Well, Shub's the expert. Are they arms or legs, Shub? I, I go arms. I think people say thank either you. way. I say arms, though. Yeah, well, thank you. You're both wrong. But anyway, the point is that the, the legs are thicker, right? They are thicker because, of course, you've got the technology inside them and you've got the speakers inside them. Is that similar? Is Celeste similar? Yeah. Both terms is a good um, comparison. It's the same idea where uh, the legs or arms are a bit thinner. <laughs> And um, are a bit thicker, sorry, because they have the battery and the speaker and all that stuff. I just wanted to say, Shub, that you know you almost sounded uh, apologetic there that these are you know that processing is not on board. But for me, that is a huge bonus because battery life is going to be great on these, I assume. Um, and the the big obstacle I thought in in getting a basically a wearable camera on the market was the video feed to the smartphone and having a, a reliable video feed there. So has that been the obstacle or a major problem in trying to get these to market or is there something else? No, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like that's something that we do that's unique is offload processing to a phone and it's allowed us to make glasses that are 
thinner that are more affordable and that have more processing power and so we can do like we don't have to get rid of functionality because it's thinner and uh, longer battery like we can still have amazing things like car model detection and gpt integration and all the stuff and so you're right like being able to send data to phone has been uh i think the real innovation here um we and we've gotten video feed working so like you can get on a use the glasses right now and get on a video call uh, with volunteers and so we have that stuff working too there is like there's a reason it hasn't been done before and it's not easy to do it uh, to go through phone and so right now we're working to make sure that the connection is reliable it's easy to set up and you can just use it in the background uh, but we're able we're gonna like we're confident we can get those things done and so uh, we're just working on that and what sort of um, I'm gonna ask the killer question I'm so sorry I'm taking a gamble here what sort <laughs> of frames per second are we talking so if we were to use this in something like Ira, for example, and we're talking about real-time mobility, you know, um, advice or when we're talking to an agent, are these responsive enough to do something like that? I mean, I know it's, you know, you haven't finished development yet, but is that a a target for you? Yeah, yeah. And like you said, like, we're still testing and trying to figure out exactly how this will work. But we've uh, been able to get on calls before and we see we have like a frame rate of 25 frames per second. Um, wow. And you have great audio going through, you have great image quality going through. There's things, there's still things we're working on, especially it gets difficult as you start walking around. And you'll notice this with your phone as well. Like when you are on a FaceTime call and you're walking around outside, like you're switching from one cell tower to the other. Some places have good connections, some other places don't. And so being able to manage all those different bandwidths as you're outside uh, is difficult. And so those are things that we're working on. But really, we work off your phone's cellular service. And so as long as your phone's connected and it's a good connection, your glasses are just sending data to phone, which is a meter away, right? It's just in your pocket. So that's not as um, high risk, as you might say. Like, it's not dependent on the really? bandwidth. Well, that, that, that's what I was thinking, because I was wondering, I mean, uh, how are you connecting these glasses to the smartphone? Is that through a Wi-Fi connection? It can't be through Bluetooth. Surely you wouldn't get that sort of frame rate, would you? No, yeah, exactly. It's not through the Bluetooth. And so if you're outside, it connects to your phone, uh, phone's hotspot. As if you turn your data on, your hotspot's uh, on, it'll connect to that. Ah, and what sort of resolution on the video? I mean, 25 frames, I'll be honest with you, is absolutely amazing. I was, if you were to come back and said, you know what, we're getting currently five frames per second, I wouldn't have been surprised <laughs> at all. Honestly, I wouldn't, because that, it's trying to squeeze video wirelessly is incredibly difficult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and right now we have a resolution of uh, 720p uh, for the video, so... It's good quality video, but like you said, it's the trouble is like as you start walking around and if you get into places with lower or high bandwidth and um, there's been like what we have to do there is we're working on an algorithm where we'll basically change the resolution, be adaptive as you start moving around. And this is what you do on like FaceTime or things like that, where as you move around, you'll notice that sometimes the video gets a bit blurry and then it'll uh, clean up again as you like continue to move around. And so being dynamic uh, is something that Apple's been able to do really well. And so that's what we're working on in our um, glasses as well to make sure that we can maintain that frame rate and maintain the latency. And um, will this work on Apple and Android? Yes, and this does work on Apple and Android. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have to say, I apologize for Sean and I because we tend to, as soon as we hear about these products, and I think we're all the same as blind people, we all get really excited <laughs> and we start dreaming yeah. about what this thing can do. I guess what we really should ask you is, what are you selling this to do? What is, in your mind, what is this... What were the selling points for this product for you as, as, as the person, you know, essentially <laughs> trying to sell it to us? What were its, its key yeah. points? I, something I've noticed as a big learning uh, for me is at, when we first started, the, like I came up with this idea about two years ago, was, you know, let's, uh, I had a friend who's in university who's blind and I'm like, let's um, just give him as much information as I can, right? Like just let's help him read all the text around him, read like every single object, or just as much information as possible. And one big learning was after we released our glasses and are going through this beta is that it's so much more helpful to have information, like specific information or just the information you need because people tell us like they use the glasses to read mail and that's great. But sometimes you get these like long, like um, ads in your mail and it's just this whole document is like, it takes three minutes to read. And I know that, uh, so I'm sighted and I know that when I, read mail or I read a menu or I read any of these things, I'm not reading every single word. Like I'm skimming through this. I'm getting a summary. I'm looking for 
just the information I need and that's it. And that's, I think, been a key piece that's been missing um, previously in like what we did, but just generally in the assistive tech that's out there. Uh, and so that's something we're focused on is like having this assistant. So recently we added integration with um, ChatGPT. And so you can ask specific questions about what you're reading. If I pick up mail, I can just be like, summarize this or just tell me who this is from or if i pick up a bill i can just ask you know how much do i owe things like that and i don't need to read through all like the legal mumbo jumbo before i get to it Mm. and so i think that's where we um are focusing on now uh, and just adding features like that that provide value so are there any actual controls on the glasses themselves yeah so there's two buttons on the glasses and there's a touchpad and so with the two buttons one is for power, if you tap it, it'll tell you the battery life. And the other one is to control AI. And so right now it's uh, a double tap to use the functionality uh, and then a single tap to kind of go through the different menu items, which is just text recognition, object detection, and scene description. We also have voice commands. And so you can um, say something like read text, detect objects. We're also working to integrate the voice commands with GPT, which would be pretty easy to do. And so now you can, you don't have to type out a question, which is what you do right now in the app. You just can ask what you want. Uh, one thing though right now is our current pairs of glasses, the mic isn't great. And so when you are getting on a video call or you're using voice commands, we're using the mic on the phone or we're using headphones that you're connected to. So you're wearing like AirPods or uh, some other like headphones or something and we're using the mic through that. Uh, and that's kind of the beauty of our subscription model as well on the glasses is that we're going to continue making the product better and better and we'll give you the newest hardware when that comes out and we'll continue to update software. Shub, you've got the glasses there. Can we hear them in action? So there's a couple things I could demo. Like, like I said, we have text recognition, object detection and scene description. And um, with text recognition, you can now ask questions. And so I have a book next to me. I really should have prepped because it's just literally a random book that's already in the room. But um, <laughs> this is in, okay, well, this is an ad for KPMG. So let's just read it. This is actually good. Um, this is a good test. So this is like a, a long, this is a big book and this is a long page of text. And I don't want to read the whole thing. So I'm just going to ask GPT to give me a summary uh, of what's on here. Summarize this text. So right now, the way it works is that you type it in uh, on the, the text app. is about the importance of innovation and how it can vary for different organizations. It mentions the metaverse, designing customer experiences, and using VR and AR technologies for innovation. It also talks about KPMG's involvement in the crypto space and their environmental commitments. The text emphasizes the need for organizations to define their goals and adopt the necessary tools and skills for innovation. There you go. Wow. That's, I, I still love chat GPT. It still yeah. blows me away, but that was fantastic. So, sorry, you were explaining the process there. You still need to type it in, did you say? Yeah, and this is just um, the way that we release features is like we've been updating our app three to four times a week uh, for the past couple of weeks. So right now, it's there's a text box, you type it in, and you click a button, and it'll take a picture and uh, answer your question. Very easily, we can move this to a voice command, and so you can actually just say uh, what your question is instead of having to type it in. But yeah. Ira, uh, yeah. and of course, there's Be My Eyes as well, uh, you know, as services that a lot of people will use in our community. Uh, are you in discussions with those organizations to, to see if you can build this in? Yeah, and that's the great, that's a great way to put it, is we're in discussions. <laughs> that's, uh, like I'm good friends with um, Troy, CEO of Ira, and I've talked to Mike, um, CEO of BMI. So we've talked to both companies, there's both interest there, and we're talking to both of them on uh, integrating. But yeah. does the smartphone just see this as the camera anyway? So you could open up any app, and anything that needs the camera would automatically use the Celeste glasses. Yeah, I wish. I mean, we would, um, ah. that would be ideal, but Apple just doesn't allow you to do that. <laughs> so like you can't just open up like Instagram and take a picture from the glasses yeah. and post that. We have to do the work of integrating with each individual app. And so like right now we've, uh, we have the same AI on the glasses that seeing AI uses. And so we had to go out and um, 
work with that technology. What, what sort of battery life are you getting currently? And again, I suppose we should say this isn't a finalized product, right? We have a battery life of six hours on the glasses. And so if you're using AI actively, it'll last for six hours. And then we have an hour straight of video calling. So if you're on a call, it'll just be an hour straight. But like uh, we have users that say they charge the glasses once every two, three days because you know they're not necessarily actively using it for six hours all day. But um, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that is not Sean, but the money. Okay. Cash. How much am I paying for these glasses? And that, that's been a big thing as well, is to make glasses that are affordable. And so we have a, a new model where it's a subscription. So it's kind of like Netflix. <laughs> like you pay um, $50 a month for the glasses, and we'll give you the hardware and the software, and we'll give you all the updates. And whenever we update the hardware, we'll give you that as well. And it's just for $50 a month. So $50 a month, Canadian? USD. American. US, right. Okay, so $50 US, and, and that gives you access to to the software, the hardware. And like you say, you know, I just want to pick you up on that to be clear. A new piece of hardware comes out, you change the glasses, you bring something new out, and for the same money with no additional upfront... I get the new glasses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then there's also the there's a hundred dollar uh, fee upfront to just get the glasses shipped to you, and then the first month's free when you get the glasses. And what's availability like? I mean, can we buy this now? Is this something we can get? And what's the availability around the world? So, for example, if people are putting down a deposit now, they would get it early fall. Uh, so, in the next three months, um, is the estimation. Um, and we do, we're mainly focused in North America. There are people that reach out to us in different parts of the world. Like a lot of Australians are reaching out. Some people in the UK, someone from Ireland reached out. So I basically do it on a case-by-case basis. Like I'll just talk to them, make sure they understand that it's going to take longer to ship. That um, even though normally we do cover shipping, if you're outside of North America, we can't do that. And just make sure they're on the same page about that. But yeah, in cases, we can do it outside North America. Amazing. And uh, just, just for people who want to visit, it's Celeste, and that is S-E-L-E-S-T-E, correct? Yes, Celeste.co. So S-E-L-E-S-T-E dot C-O. That's our website. Uh, or you can email me at shub at Celeste.co. So that's S-H-U-B-H at Celeste.co. Shub Mittel there from Celeste. Uh, We're all interested in that, I'm sure. We'll see what happens with those. But let's move on now to Gordon and more on glasses. And these are an alternative to Bose Frames or the Anchor Soundcores. Hello, Double Tappers. It's Gordon from Livingston in Scotland with a review of yet another pair of audio Bluetooth sunglasses. Um, You will know by now that Bose are no longer producing their frames, the ones that we love so much because of the great sound quality, but unfortunately the build quality did not match that, and my last pair gave up just a few weeks ago, just after the warranty expired. So looking for alternatives, I have a pair of Anchor Soundcore frames. Um, The build quality is very good, the sound quality is pretty good, not up to bows, but still pretty good. However, the companion app, which you need to set the frames up, is awful from an accessibility point of view. You can just about manage it with voiceover if you persevere. But I had to get sighted help with mine because it really was very, very difficult to use. I'm also not too keen on a couple of aspects of the frames in terms of the play pause is a bit erratic because you have no control button. You just have to tap the side of the frames. And also you can't really turn them off and keep wearing them. I mean, you can, but they just automatically turn on uh, after a few minutes uh, if you're wearing them. The big thing about this, though, is that Anchor are no longer producing these frames. Uh, They tell me that they do have a supply in a warehouse in USA, but they're not shipping overseas. So um, there are now no Anchor Soundcore frames available either. My final pair that I have is Oho Sunshine. So very cheap, very cheerful, um, not as comfy to wear. Eight-hour battery life, though, which is their big selling point. The sound quality, though, is pretty awful. It's adequate enough for phone calls and if you're listening to spoken content, but I certainly wouldn't listen to music through them. The sound quality really is very, very tinny. So in the search for another alternative, um, I asked my uh, purchasing manager to get onto Amazon. That's my wife. Um, And she found a pair which she said looked exactly like the Bose Alto frames. They cost about £70, which I think is about 120, 130 Canadian dollars. 
and I can't pronounce the name properly, I don't know how it's pronounced, it's spelt R-U-I-M-E-N, so that's Royman or Rimen, uh, whatever. The model number is AJ01, that's Alpha Juliet 01, and they are indeed almost exactly like the Bose Alto frames. Same feel to them and same fit. Uh, the sound quality is pretty good as well, I would say better than Anchor, certainly clearer uh, than, than Anchor. Um, I've used them for quite a few things, phone calls, um, IDA, BMI's, not had a problem. I am recording this on the Rimmon frames, so judge for yourself how adequate the microphone is. Uh, I suspect it's perhaps not quite as good as the sound quality that I get listening to my phone and so on. There's no lag time uh, either when you're using them with the phone, so really quite pleased with these. The big difference with the, between these and the Bose frames is that each of the legs, that's legs, Sean, each of the legs has its own um, power button and uh, power connector. So the power cable comes as a split cable and you have to connect magnetic fittings to each leg. You have to power each leg on individually. Once powered on, they both connect automatically. You can then use either button to play, pause, skip forward, skip back, using the usual one, two or three fast clicks. If you press and hold the right button, it powers off the frames. If you press and hold the left button, it activates Siri, which I find quite useful. I quite, quite like that. Um, as I say, I, I quite like these frames, the, the Roman frames. They uh, are at the moment my preferred frames for wearing. I find them comfortable. The sound quality is pretty good. My big concern is the build quality. They feel so much like the Bose frames that I'm fairly convinced someone just picked them up one day and they will just stop working. Uh, we shall see how long they last. They may last less time than a bowl of squishy cream. Anyway, that's enough from me, guys. Uh, thank you for the show. Always enjoy listening. Great fun. And I'll speak soon. Bye. Gordon, thank you for that. Uh, fantastic demo. And uh, it made me buy them, Sean. He made me it buy is. something. It's all Gordon's fault, obviously. Yes. Well, Gordon's wife blames me for a lot, apparently, uh, in regards to uh, Gordon's tech collection. (laughs) I'm not alone. I get a lot of wives and husbands as well who get very annoyed at me. Uh, I should clarify. Only for the tech thing. Yeah, only for the tech thing. Uh, Okay, listen, I'm out of here. I'm getting a red face. Uh, I am out of here. Uh, We're back a week on Monday, so that's the 28th of August. We're off next week. Uh, so do check us out on AMI-audio. We will be uh, running some great conversations that we've had in the past on uh, AMI-audio through the week. No podcast coming up, though, over the next week. Fresh episodes begin again on the 28th of August. So we look forward to uh, catching you then. In the meantime, have a great week. Thank you for staying with us. Thanks for listening to Double Tap. And, uh, Sean, have a great week. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.